We are currently working our way through the book of Matthew, and we come now in Matthew chapter 19 to um, a young man who uh, is approaching Jesus and wondering, um, how can I be acceptable to God? How can I be acceptable to God? So that, that's what this young man is, is coming, but, but last week we had uh, some children who were wanting to come to Jesus, right? There were some children who uh, were around Jesus, all these crowds around Jesus as he was teaching, as he was healing. Then all these crowds are there, and these children are there, and maybe their parents are pushing them forward, but these children are coming forward to Jesus and his disciples, and others are going, no, 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 no. kids, this place isn't for you. you. You know, step back, step back. And Jesus said, what are you doing? Let the little children come to me. Let the, let the little children come to me, because the kingdom of heaven belongs to ones like these. So let, let them come. In fact, he says, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you're going to have to become like a little child. You're going to have to come with, with nothing. And so now we have this young man who is coming up to Jesus, and he's going to uh, press on this, right? And see, what do I need to do to be acceptable to God? Now, Jesus has just said to the little kids, right? You have to be like these little kids. Come, come, like a little child. That's how you come to God. But this young man is going to ask Jesus, what must I do? What must I do? Okay, so in Matthew chapter 19, starting in uh, verse 16, it says, And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, What good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? We're going to stop there. And we'll get back to that. But we want to just stop there and say, okay, this, this young man comes to Jesus, and he's going, Jesus, I want eternal life. I want God to accept me, and I want to do everything I can to make sure that God will accept me, that He will welcome me into eternal life. So what must I do, right? What must I do? Behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? What good deed must I do so that I might have eternal life? What, what's, the, what's the bar? Right? Where, where do we set the bar? What do I have to do to climb over that bar so that God will accept me? And I think that this is a, a common thing for people to go, do I think that, good, that I'm good enough that God would accept me? And there are some people who go, I think I'm probably good enough. I think I'm probably good enough. I mean, what, what's God expecting from me anyway, right? I, I think I'm, I'm generally a pretty good person. I, I think God should probably accept me. I think I'm probably good enough. I'm, but this young man isn't convinced that he's good enough. He desperately wants to be good enough, right? He desperately wants to be good enough, but he's not sure that he is good enough. And so he comes to Jesus and he goes, Jesus, what good thing do I have to do so that God will accept me and I can have eternal life? What good thing do I have to do? 
And this is Jesus' response. It's kind of an interesting first response. He says, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. There's only one who is good. So if you would enter life, keep the commandments. Now, when he says there's only one that is good, his, his, um, the first thing you think of, probably, for this young man anyway, is the Psalms. Psalms Psalm 14 and Psalm 53, they're, if not word for word, almost exactly word for word, the same thing. So this is what it says in Psalm 53. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corruptible, doing abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. God looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, any who seek after God. They have all fallen away. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Not even one. And so when this young man comes and says, what good deed must I do to inherit eternal life? What good thing must I do so that God will accept me? Jesus says, why do you ask me about doing good? There's only one who is good, and it is God alone. Only God is good. Don't you remember the Psalms? Don't you remember Psalm 14? Don't you remember Psalm 53? There is nobody who is doing what is good. Nobody. Not a single person. Only God alone is perfect. Only God alone does what is good all the time. Only God alone is good. Everyone else falls short. And not only falls short, but turns to their own selfishness and only is looking after themselves over and over again. So if you want to be good, keep the commandments. If you, want to, if you would enter eternal life, keep the commandments. And so he says to him, well, which ones? Jesus, be specific. Don't toy with me. Don't just tell me generally keep the commandments. Which commandments? I want to make sure that I am checking off the list. Doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. That way I know I'm good enough that God will accept me. Do you ever feel like you have a list that you're checking off? Maybe you're checking off a list for your parents. What good thing must I do to be accepted by my parents? What good thing must I do so that they will accept me, so that they will love me, so that they will think that I am a good son or daughter? What must I do to clear that bar so that they'll be proud of me? Maybe you're checking it off for a spouse. I'm, I'm, just, I'm trying to be good enough for my spouse. Or a friend. Maybe you're trying to check off your own list. You just are trying to be good enough just for even me. <sighs> I messed up again. Okay, I, I, if I try really hard, maybe I can check off these lists and I'll be good enough for me. And I can accept me for who I am. And maybe you're like this young man. And you're going, what is the list? 
Can somebody just lay it out nice and clear so that I can see that I am accepted by God, so that I can see that I am loved by God? Can somebody give me the list so that I can just check it off and go, yep, 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 or, and if I get to one that is a nope, that I can go back and check that one off too? Because I desperately want to be accepted by God. I desperately want to be that. And so he says to him, which ones, which commandments must I obey? Jesus said to him, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now you'll recognize several of these probably as being from the Ten Commandments, right? Which commandments? Well, let me just list some of the Ten Commandments and then give you this summary statement that comes from Leviticus 19, where it says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Right? Let me just sum it all up for you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? I can tick off, don't murder anybody, don't steal from anybody, don't uh, commit adultery, right? You, I can list off some of these commandments, but let me just sum it up like this. Because God is the Lord, because God is good, therefore love your neighbor in the same way that you love yourself. So Jesus lists off some of the commands. He gives this summary, and love your neighbor as yourself. And this young man, says to him, all of these I have kept, what do I still lack? Jesus, I've been doing all those, I've been doing all those, and yet I don't feel like I'm qualified. I just, I want to make sure, is there anything else, right? Because when you list it off, you shall not murder, baby, I haven't, I haven't murdered no one, right? I haven't killed anybody, Check. I can give a big old check on that one because I have definitely not killed anyone. Okay. Have you committed adultery? Check. Have not committed adultery. Have you stolen? Check. Have not stolen. Have you borne false witness? Have you lied? Check. I have not borne false witness. Have you honored your father and mother? Check. Have you loved your neighbor as yourself? Check! I have done it. Now, do you remember what happened when this young man first came up to Jesus and he said, what good deed must I do to inherit eternal life? What did Jesus say to him? Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. And we remember Psalm 53 and Psalm 14 that say there is no one who is good. God looks down and they all do abominable things. There is none who is good, only God, right? And that's what Jesus tells this young man. There is none who is good. And now Jesus says, these are the commands that you should keep. And the young man says, yep, there is only one who is good, and that is God and also me. I mean, if we're just looking at the list of things, these things that God does and also me. So far, Jesus, I think I'm good enough. I think I'm good enough. 
And I, I think there are a lot of people that look at it and look at this kind of a list and go, yep, me too. Me too. I think I'm good enough. Maybe not perfect, perfect, but I think I'm good enough. I think that if you were to ask about these things, you shall not murder, not commit adultery, not steal, not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor. Yeah, I think I generally do those things. Check, 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 check. And so now Jesus is going to press in. Okay, you think that you are good enough? You think that you check, 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 check all the boxes all the way down? You love your neighbor as yourself even? Let's just press in on that. Because the young man in verse 20 says, All these I have kept, what still do I lack? And so Jesus says to him, verse 21, If you would be perfect... Go and sell what you possess and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. You want to be perfect, young man? Do you want to, when, when, when this says perfect, what it's talking about is completely fulfilling something, right? That's the sense of this word. So it's, it's not just like a, a perfection, perfects perfect standard, but uh, although it does also mean that, it's this, it's completely fulfilling something. It has reached its end, and it has been completely fulfilled. And so he's saying, have, do you want to completely fulfill the commands? Do you want to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect? If you would like to completely fulfill the commands, then give away, sell what you possess, and give it to the poor. Young man, I, I listed off these things and I finished with love your neighbor as yourself. And so I just want to know, do you love your neighbor in the same way that you love yourself? And here's a way to know. Sell what you have and give it to your neighbor. Easy, right? You'd expect this young man to go, check! That's it? Done! I love my neighbor. I love my neighbor as much as I love me. I love my neighbor as I love myself. In fact, that kind of bold, this is what it requires from you, it's going to take an all-in kind of a thing, is not new for Jesus. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, he gives us a one-verse parable. In his one-verse parable in Matthew 13, 44, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure in a field, when a man found, which a man found and covered up. And then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. That's what it, it's like to know who God is and be invited into in eternal life and to accept that. It's to go, I'm going to drop everything else, sell all that I have, give up all that I am, and I just want this, and I'm going to do it with joy. Matthew 13, 44, this one verse parable says that this guy discovered the treasure of the kingdom of heaven and was delighted to give up 
everything for that. And so now this young man comes to Jesus and says, what else is lacking? What else must I do? And Jesus says, sell everything, give up all that you have, give it away to your neighbor, love on them, and come follow me. And we would hope that this young man would respond with joy and go, that's it? I get to do that? I get to be one of your disciples? I get to sell everything that I have, give it away to the poor, bless a whole bunch of people, and follow you and walk with you into eternal life? I get to follow you to eternal life? That sounds fantastic. That's what we would hope for. That's what we would hope for. That's what we would want, is that kind of joyful response. I will happily lay down what I have so that I can follow you. Verse 22. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Matthew told us that this was a young man, and now he says, this young man had a lot of money. This young man had a lot of material wealth. And so when Jesus presses in and says, really, you have kept all the commands? Really, you have loved your neighbor as yourself? Really? Okay, give away what you have to your neighbor. Love them in the way that you love yourself. And this young man went, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. It's too much to give up. It's too much to give up. He had come to Jesus feeling a lack, right? Like, I, I really want God to love and accept me, and I really want eternal life, and it is missing. What do I have to do to get that? And Jesus says, what you have to do is give up the money stuff so that you can Accept the treasure that is in heaven. And he went, oh, I can't. And he went away sad. Because he was unable to give up what he was hanging on to. He was unable to do it. Unable to give up that stuff so that he could follow Jesus. And when he walks away sad, Jesus turns to his disciples in verse 23, and Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Wealth is a barrier to the kingdom of heaven. It is difficult for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven because they have wealth. Right? Because they have already, they have what they feel like they need, because they have these things and it's hard for them to give that up, it is difficult for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I look at me and I go, 
I think I'm probably not wealthy. And I come to that conclusion for a couple of reasons. One of those reasons is because when I look around at some of the people around me, I see what wealthy looks like, and I know that's not me. Right? And so then I go, I'm not wealthy. Doesn't apply to me. And that's the second reason why I think that I'm not wealthy, so that this doesn't apply to me. Right? Because as soon as I acknowledge that I also have material possessions and also have wealth, now this applies to me too. And that wealth can be a barrier between me and entering the kingdom of heaven because am I willing to give that up to enter the kingdom of heaven? Or am I going to, like this young man, walk away sorrowful? You you see, I, I think that we are very quick to find people who are richer than us and identify as those who are not wealthy. And I think that very often we are not lacking for funds. Oh, there may be things that we can't do that we wish we could do. But we're not truly lacking. And in that sense, we are wealthy. And when it comes, if you were to be asked the question, can you give up what you have and give it away to your neighbor, to love your neighbor like yourself? the response will indicate our level of wealth. In fact, Jesus doubles down, verse 24, and says, Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I I think about a needle... And I think about the number of times that I have tried to sew something. There's been a a hole in a pair of jeans or something. And so I'm going to stitch that up. And so I need to get the thread through the needle eye, right? And you lick the end of it so that it sticks out straight. And you hold it like this. And you try and push it through. And it bends and it twists and it goes around it. and, And you're trying to stuff the thread through the needle eye. And I have all kinds of difficulty stuffing a piece of thread that's so thin I can't even get my fingers that close together without touching them through that needle eye. And he says, it would be easier to get stuff a camel through there. Now, I haven't seen a camel in real life all that many times, but they're bigger than me. And I can't stuff me through that needle eye. And so when the, he says this to the disciples, he says, I tell you, it is, would be really difficult, really difficult. Only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, I'll tell it to you again in a different way. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And when many people read this, they go, you know, I think needles were probably different back in Jesus' time than they are today. 
Or they read this and they go, you know, I think that this probably is a metaphor for something, that it wasn't actually a real needle's eye. Because you can't stuff a camel through the eye of a needle. It mu he must not mean that, right? And when we have that kind of response, it's the same kind of response that Jesus' disciples who were standing right in front of him had. Because Jesus says, I tell you, only with a difficulty will a wealthy person enter into the kingdom of God. In fact, I tell you, it's easier to stuff a camel through the eye of a needle. And his disciples, in verse 25, when they heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, then who could be saved? If I would have to stuff a rich person through the eye of a needle for them to be saved, who could be saved? In fact, when you think about it from their perspective, and you go, wait, 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 wait. A wealthy person? A person who has been blessed by God is not going to enter the kingdom of heaven? What are you talking about, Jesus? Only with difficulty. And when you're talking with these guys and they're looking at this and they're saying, hold on, somebody who appears to be blessed by God can't enter into the kingdom of heaven? Only with difficulty could they enter the kingdom of heaven? They're the ones who've been blessed by God. That's how we know. That's how we know. He says, no, 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 no. No. It is difficult for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the, re the response of these disciples is the same as if he had said, it is difficult for those with really healthy families to enter the kingdom of heaven. Hold up now, what? Really healthy families? Why would that get in the way of me entering the kingdom of heaven? Well, in Matthew chapter 10, he had said, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So it is really difficult for those with healthy families to enter the kingdom of God. It is difficult for those with high moral standards to enter the kingdom of God, because they will depend on those moral standards. They will think, like this young man thought, that they can check off all of the things and be good, and Jesus is saying, no. There is only one who is good, and it isn't you. So it is difficult for those with high moral standards to enter the kingdom of God. It is difficult for those who grew up hearing Bible stories to enter the kingdom of God. And you go, hey, hold up now. Certainly, if anybody could easily enter into the kingdom of God, it would be those growing up hearing Bible stories. But I know many people who grew up hearing Bible stories being told they need to be good like David or Moses or somebody else. 
and wandered away from God because they didn't feel like they could measure up or like they already had. And so it is difficult for those who grew up hearing Bible stories to enter the kingdom of God. It is difficult to enter the kingdom of God. Because when we come to God, we recognize that there is only one who is good. And all that we have, we are unwilling to put down. Put down our family, uh, our uh, moral pride, our wealth, our possessions. We're willing to, unwilling to put that down to receive with joy the kingdom of God. And so his disciples are flabbergasted, astonished. Then who could be saved? Jesus, if we can't do it morally, and if we can't show with our wealth, and if we can't do it with our families, if we can't perform in such a way that God will accept us by clearing the bar, then who can possibly be saved? And Jesus looked at them in verse 26, and he said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. If you're trying to get over the bar to be accepted by God, to be loved by God, to be worthy of eternal life, there is no way you will ever do it. You will never be good enough to qualify for God's love. There you go. He can leave with that, right? It's terrible news. It means it is impossible for us to receive the love of God based on our merits. But that which is impossible for us is possible for God. And so then we look at the bar the other way around, just like we did last week, right? When he said, you have to be like these children when you come. Come like these children. Don't try to get over the bar. Come under the bar. right? You, you know how that is? You have those slatted gates or fences and things. And so you go and you're trying to get over this fence to get to the other side of the fence. And a kid comes up and just goes under. And you look at it and go, I didn't, I didn't think of that. that I, you just go under it? That would be lots easier. He says, yeah, come like a child. Come under the bar to get to God. Come under the bar and then God will raise you up. Come with nothing. Acknowledging and de declaring to God, I have nothing that I can offer you. Will you take me and lift me up? And then it is possible. Then it is possible. Not because we have earned the love of God, not because we have done anything worthy of Him, but because He raises us up. He, with Him, it, all things are possible, right? All things are possible, including receiving the love of God. Which I'll tell you, 
for those who feel like they're checking all the things off on their list and they have already re, uh, attained to moral goodness, that's a hard thing to hear. You're going to have to put all of that down to receive God. But for those of us who have been checking things off of the list and going, uh, good enough, not good enough, not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. I'm not good enough. For those of us in that place where we recognize that we are not good enough, then this is really great news. Whatever you have, just lay it down and come to Jesus. Put it all down. Give it all away so that you can follow Him. And He will lead you into eternal life. In Romans chapter 3, Paul is writing to uh, the church at Rome and is explaining to them what the gospel is and what the gospel isn't. That is, what the good news about Jesus is and what it isn't. And he quotes in Romans chapter 3 something that I think you will find familiar. Romans 3 verse 10. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Paul is quoting that same thing from Psalm 53 and Psalm 14 and reminding us that no one is good, no one qualifies for the love of God. But then in verse 19, he says, and now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law, that is, through moral goodness, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. That's what this young man didn't understand when he came to Jesus, right? He said, what are the things that I must do? What are the good deeds that I must do? And Jesus said, the commandments. And he goes, I'm doing it. And Jesus goes, no, you'd misunderstood the commandments then. Because the commandments weren't actually so that you could do them all. They were to show you that you couldn't do them all. They were to show you your moral failure so that you would know that you were not good enough. So it goes on in Romans. In verse 20, by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now, verse 21, but now the righteousness of God has been made manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness 
because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins, and it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And so what Jesus was explaining to his disciples, Paul explains clearly in the book of Romans, look, No one is good enough to earn the love of God and receive eternal life that way. But that which you are incapable of doing on your own, Jesus has done for you. And so all of the uh, punishment, all of the consequences that you deserve for your sin, Jesus has paid for all of that on the cross. He died out of love for you. He died on the cross for your sins so that you could receive righteousness. So that when you get that checklist and it says, have you been good? You can go, nope, but Jesus did. Jesus did it. Jesus did it, Jesus did it, Jesus did it, Jesus did it, Jesus did it all the way down. Jesus did it. So that we don't have to. So that we receive the righteousness of God. So that though there is not one who is good, there is none who does good, only God. God said, what I'm going to do then is I'm going to become a man and do all the good, fulfill all the requirements, and then anyone who is willing to give up everything and follow me, I will give them my righteousness. Because what is impossible for man is possible for God. And so he has done it. Because there is only one who is good. And only one who can make us good. And we come to him and we praise him for that. And we do that today. Lord God, we come to you and we thank you. We thank you that you are good, that you are righteous, that you are dependable, that you never fail to do what is right and good. And Lord, we acknowledge before you today that we are not. And so, Father, we pray for the things that are making it difficult for us to enter into your kingdom, that you would help us to lay them down. Whether it is our uh, wealth or our sense of self-righteousness or family or whatever else is in the way of us receiving your righteousness, Lord, would you help us to put it down and accept by faith that Jesus has paid the, pet, paid the debt of our sin and made us righteous. And it is in his name that we praise you and we thank you and we depend and hope on eternal life with you. Amen.